Last Sunday, I, uh, I understand, was a powerful service with our children, leading worship and, and, uh, and the Word of God. I told them that it was, it was really, really important um, for the rest of the congregation to see that what happens downstairs on a Sunday morning is not babysitting. There is some, some powerful spiritual experiences and, that, that are taking place in the lives of our students. In fact, there's times on staff meetings on Monday, Pastor Julie says, yeah, the parents had to wait a little while to get their kids because they were still at the altar, that they, they tarried longer than we did at the altar. And, and so uh, I have had so many people contact me this week saying, that was so powerful, uh, the way that the Spirit of God was moving through our kids and, and so thankful for that. And so... Um, I'm glad that you had an opportunity to experience that. We've had people say, can you have them more often? And I said, yes, we can, we can do that. We can do that. Uh, I feel like it's been a long time since I've had a chance to minister. I know it's been four weeks that we've had different things that we've been highlighting, and so I'm nervous. <laughs> <You know that. laughs> I want to I share with you this morning when the Holy Spirit intersects your life. And there's an outline that is listed for you on the back of the bulletin, and, and uh, I, I want to be timely about the word of the Lord this morning. And a question that we're going to ask from peri- from periodically through this message is, are, are you satisfied with your experience? It's a profound question. It's a question that we ought to ask ourselves from time to time with the Lord. Am I, am I satisfied with my experience? And as as Pentecostal people, we put a lot of stress in, uh, on experience. We believe that God wants us to know more about him than just the facts of who he is and what he does and, or data and theology, that God wants us to experience him. And frequently, God will bring us into an experience with him before we know all the facts. He's powerful about doing that within our lives. Even before we know the Bible well, many of you had great experiences with God and And I'd like to to minister on that this morning. Father, as we come before you, I I ask that you would guide and direct. This is such a profound time that we have where through your working of your Holy Spirit, you take the word and you plant it in our lives like seeds. And then you water it and you grow it. Our job is to plant it. You're the one that grows it within our life. And so I ask that over these next few moments there might be things that we hear from the Word or we be reminded of in the Word that you would just begin to grow in us for your glory's sake. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. There are some people that believe that you have to have a systematic theology first before you can go out and experience God. And I want you to know that God loves being able to reveal himself. I could sit here today and tell you all kinds of stories of people that have shared with me how God intersected their life and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, even when they didn't realize who he was or what he was doing, but later after coming to know him, sat back and said, that was a God experience that I had in my life, even though I didn't know him or I didn't know about him, I I recognized looking back on it that God was wanting me to experience him. And, And one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is to give us experience with God, to reveal God, to reveal Jesus to us in all these new ways, to to bring us into a relationship. And, and to allow us to get to know him in greater ways. And, and I want to share with you this morning at least five different ways the Holy Spirit intersects our life. And I want to ask you in regard to each of these ways, are you satisfied with that experience? 
The first one that is listed for us is the Holy Spirit's work at conversion. When the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in our life, when we get to that place where we ask him to come into our life, the Holy Spirit is at work there. And I want you to picture with me. I'm, I'm a picture learner. When I'm reading the scriptures, I'm, I'm trying to picture what the scene looked like so that I could kind of experience that. And I want you to go with me to a room, and the room is filled with disciples that are in hiding. These massively talented giants of faith. Jesus has just been crucified. Their world is coming apart, and so they gather themselves in a room, and they lock themselves in, and they're hiding out of fear for everything that could be happening to them, and it's the first evening of the Christian era. Jesus has risen from the dead, and suddenly in the middle of their fear, Jesus appears. He, he didn't come through the door. He went through the door. He didn't... He, he just shows up when this glorified body walks through the wall and, and confronts the disciples. And the first thing that he says to them in John chapter 20, verse 22, is it says that he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to picture this. It's as if Jesus walks up to each of them and takes their face in his hands and he looks at them and he goes, receive the Holy Spirit. And in each of their lives, they're sitting there having this experience with God. And, and I get a picture as he's putting something into them. He's putting wind into them. He's putting the Spirit into them. And I think that as we look at this from the biblical perspective, that, that Jesus in this part is deliberately recreating the scene of creation of man. Because we know that in Genesis he took man and he took the dust and he formed man into a kind of a claymation. And the Bible says that he breathed on man and life came into them. And so in this experience of an intersection with the Holy Spirit, Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, they are receiving Christian life. The reason I bring this up is on a spiritual level. We, when we come in contact with the Lord, need to understand that it's the Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us. It's the Holy Spirit that brings us to that place where we can recognize Him as the Savior. We recognize Him as the Lord. And in that moment when we finally yield to Him and say, I believe that you are the one that washes away my sins. I believe that the work that you did on the cross finished for me everything that I have done wrong and that you alone can place upon me a robe of righteousness, that in that moment he takes you by the face and he breathes into you a new life that has been recreated and you move from death into life spiritually. With this intersection of the Holy Spirit, this inbreathing, this indwelling of the eternal Spirit of God comes into your life and you become different eternally. And it's a different experience than the Acts chapter 2, which is a subsequent experience. In fact, it tells us in John 3, 5, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of the water and of the Spirit. And while I would have liked to have been in that room on the first Christian evening and have a conversation with those disciples, I'm sure that if you would ask one of them in that moment, when when Jesus breathed on you resurrected life, breathed into them the Spirit, are you satisfied with your experience? That they would say, absolutely, there's never been anything like this. Now, because I'm a picturer of things like that, I, 
One of the questions that I want to ask the disciples when I get to heaven is, what did Jesus' breath smell like? <laughs> what, did, what did the resurrection, the resurrected body of Christ, he takes you and whew, he breathes on you. I, I want to know. Inquiring minds want to know what that must have been like for them in that moment. I don't think that the church should ever downplay the conversion experience. Some people think that as Pentecostals, we get saved in order just to hurry up and do something deeper, like be baptized in the Holy Spirit and then move on into spiritual gifts. And folks, I want you to know that's not the truth at all. Conversion is a great moment. It's a phenomenal moment. It's a life-changing, eternity-changing moment, and we should never downplay it when somebody makes a confession of Jesus Christ as Lord. It changes everything. But it leads us to a second moment where the Spirit is experienced and we intersect the life of the Spirit, and that is by moving with me to another room, and this one is the upper room. There's 120 that are gathered on the day of Pentecost, and the Spirit depend, or de- descends upon them, and they are filled with the Spirit. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, it says, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them or as the Spirit gave them utterance, depending upon the Scripture that you may be reading and the interpretation. I did a word study on the usage of this word in the original New Testament and the parallel words in Hebrew in the Old Testament that the word utterance it comes from, or Spirit-enabled. And it means that there is a rather bold and loud address. When it's used in connection with speaking in other tongues in Acts 2, it signifies that those who are filled with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost are speaking forth the wonders of God, the magnificence of God, in languages that they do not understand and are declaring it in a rather significant and bold way. It was not a quiet thing that took place there. It was as if it was a a heart-gushing artesian well of praise that was released unto the Lord that only he could understand, but it was unlearned to those that were speaking it. I know that it speaks that there were people that were speaking languages that were understood by others, but they knew that the people speaking them did not understand them. Now, I'm a missionary's kid, and my mom and dad spent a number of years in Africa. And I remember the testimony that they told me when they were early in their missionary years that they were ministering to the Maasai tribe in Kenya and they said there was a powerful move of the spirit and a little uneducated Maasai lady began to speak in tongues and she said what she spoke was English and my mom stood and looked and this lady with speaking in English with a Maasai accent began to declare the greatness of God in a tongue that she did not know but that my mom knew and it became to her a marvelous uh, moment where the Spirit of God says, you're exactly where I want you to be. Oh, how wonderful it is to know that we have a God that works in that way and deals with us in those wonderful ways and so we have a knowledge that the Holy Spirit intersects our life in such a moment. One of the things that we recognize this is Those who are baptized in the Holy Spirit, the characteristic is that they are filled with joy. People today in our culture, a lot of them are running around and they're depressed and they're discouraged. None of us are immune to that. There are moments of our lives when we just get discouraged and 
Some deal with deep depression. But I want you to understand that one of the antidotes to the weight of the world being upon our shoulder is the gift of the Holy Spirit. That suddenly we are able in the spiritual realm to move beyond what we are facing physically and begin to express through rivers of joy and languages we do not understand a praise to God that begins to lift us from the pit and place us on the solid rock. And the things that would normally cause us to, to be discouraged are lifted from us and God brings great joy because we look and we understand that nobody was depressed on the day of Pentecost. How many of you need a shot of joy this morning? Oh, hallelujah. But that's one of the ways that the Holy Spirit intersects our life. The third way is the Holy Spirit's work in our ordinary life. I was having a discussion, and, and some of you may still have these things. I, I remember you go to houses, and, and how many of you still have a china closet or a china cabinet where you put your good china? There's some of you old people. <laughs> and what happens in this? You know, you, you have this, the most expensive dishes in your house, the most beautiful. In fact, I know... Brides used to work on picking out patterns that was going to, you know, it stays, you work so hard for it, and then when you, you put it in the cabinet behind glass, and you tell people, don't touch the good stuff. There are times when we as Pentecostal people consider the Holy Spirit and the moving of the Holy Spirit something that we put in the cabinet, and we close the doors, and we say, oh, that's just for special occasions, the working of the Spirit in my life is, is, oh, that's just for holidays or just for this or that. And then, and then we open it up and we let people use it only when the grandkids are not going to be around. You know, we think that the Holy Spirit is fragile. and can, I want you to know something. Clearly, the Holy Spirit's work in our everyday life is because He wants to be the everyday dishes. He wants, he wants to be at work in every aspect of our life on an everyday basis. And here's how I know that, because Paul was writing in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20, and he says this, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then he goes on, if you were to continue reading, and he begins to develop some of the characteristics of a Spirit-filled life. What Paul is teaching here is that the work of the Spirit in our experience is for every moment of every day, and it manifests itself in a number of ways. And the reason that I know this is not only does he go on to say that we, when we intersect the Holy Spirit in everyday life, the first thing that should happen is that we should be people of praise. We should be people of praise. And praise is not, praise is, is not just singing songs on a Sunday morning here. Some of my best praise takes place when I'm in the car. Sometimes the windows are up and sometimes they're down. And, and there are times when I just begin to sing unto the Lord. And some of you... Some of you, it doesn't matter whether you sing well or not. There is something that begins to happen when we praise that just begins to elevate our spirits. That's why I said some of you need to make a melody in your heart. But here's what that intersection with the spirit in everyday life looks like. He breaks it out like this. He goes on to say that when you intersect the Holy Spirit in everyday life, here's the way it will work. 
Number one, you'll have a life of thanksgiving, but you'll also have a life lived in right relationships. He goes on in Ephesians 5 to talk about the relationships of husbands to wives, of wives to husbands, of parents to children, and employees to employers. So now we begin to see so much is the Holy Spirit to be an everyday thing that the way that it is best lived out is people ought to know that you're a person of the Spirit because of the way husbands and wives talk to each other in the home. It's best recognized to be lived out in the way that wives and husbands respond to each other and sacrifice and serve one another. It's best lived out in the way that the way that the parents deal with their children and children with their parents, and you're going, oh, no, no, no. If that's the way it's supposed to look, then we're far from where the Spirit of God needs. But this is the way God says, the Holy Spirit's intersection in my life is an everyday China thing. And then he moves beyond the home and says, this is the first place it ought to be evident, but then it needs to show up at work in the way that employers and employees react with each other and the way that you respond to your boss and a boss responds to those who work for them. I look at it and, and I, how many of you have been to a party where somebody showed up with those helium balloons that may have said happy birthday or happy anniversary or a baby's born, any of you remember those? They come walking out of Wegmans all the time with those things and they have to tie them around their wrist. They don't want to give them to the kids because they know that as soon as they go out that door, the kid's going to scratch their nose for a second and those balloons are going to take off and leave and all that money just floated away, just floats right over Fairmont and away they go. But there's something spiritual in that picture for us that I think is really valuable because for those of you that have hosted those parties, you know that it doesn't take but about two or three days and that balloon, which a while ago was going to disappear, begins when you let go of it, it just kind of hangs there. And if you let it go another day, it's not hanging there anymore. It's just kind of working its way down the floor. And it only takes about three days and it's laying on the floor and that which was supposed to be filled with helium and fly away if it was let go is now just drooped. How many of you know that that's a picture of our spiritual lives when we are not in constant contact with what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life? If he's not renewing us, we're drooping. And if you droop for too long, you're going to get kicked because you're laying on the floor and the Lord says, lift up your heads. And let me intersect your life and bring something new to you. There is an everyday filling of the Spirit that God calls us to have in our ordinary life. Fourthly, the Holy Spirit's work is to intersect us in stretching moments. I want to take a little time with this one because this is the one that has been resting most heavily upon my heart in my preparation the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives when we are in what I like to call a stretch moment, which means that it's a crisis moment, moments that we didn't see coming, things that catch us off guard. It's those moments where the first words out of your mouth are, oh, Jesus, help us. Any of you been there? Because we who are believers recognize in an instant that this is way beyond me and I don't know what I'm going to do. So, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, help us. It's in those stretching moments that I believe sometimes the Holy Spirit does some of his best work with us. And there are three instances in the New Testament that I just want to highlight and then I want to bring them to a place where I believe that they will be applicable in our lives. The first one that we see is, is Peter, after the resurrection of Jesus, is on trial before the Sanhedrin. And his crime that he was brought before them is because he healed a man. Now, 
as you do a study of Peter's life, you'll notice that Peter was not necessarily, he was a bold and, and brash and spoke his mind many times before he thought, but he had a problem with authority. In fact, he, he would run rather than get caught. He's always fled from pressure. He's got this hang-up with authority. He doesn't like facing people who are in high positions. And suddenly, never before has he been put in trial, but he's standing there. He's there, and what happens? It, it's a new stretching for him. It's a situation he's never been in before. He's, done, he's worked his whole life to stay away from things like this. And suddenly he knew he was in a place where more stamina was needed, more strength was needed, more presence of mind was needed. Peter, Peter needed presence. How many of you know people that speak before they think? You know, and you look at him going, really? If you'd have just taken two seconds and run that through the filter of, well, I won't go beyond that. Peter would have fit within that. And in this moment, when he needed the ministry of the Holy Spirit in a stretching moment, it says to us in Acts chapter 4, verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, and then it goes on and begins to speak. Now we look at that, and the first understanding I look at this is then Peter. In other words, the Holy Spirit is not caught off guard when we go into crisis mode. We didn't see it coming. God knew it was coming. And in his prevenient preparation, his prevenient grace, the grace that goes before, I believe that the moment we step into those crisis things, his Holy Spirit has already been there to prepare for us just what we need in that moment. And that's why when we cry out, oh Jesus, instantly there's this cloak of comfort, there's a cloak of wisdom, there's a cloak of power, there's a cloak of ambition that is laid around us and we are like Peter. Then Peter stood and spoke, being filled with the Spirit. I believe that we intersect the Spirit in some new ways when we're in stretched places we look and we see Peter had been filled with the spirit John 20 it says Jesus breathed on them at conversion Peter was at the experience in the upper room but here was a new experience a new stretch in his life a new measure a new quantity a new availability of the spirit to match the new demand that was placed upon Peter and each of us can believe that he will do it for us as well secondly Stephen had a similar experience in Acts chapter 7 Verses 1 through 53 is a magnificent sermon that Stephen preached to the Sanhedrin. And when he preached it that particular day, at the end of his message, the response was that they were sitting there gnashing their teeth. Have any of you ground your teeth in such anger at the things that you were? You didn't know what to say. So you're just grinding your teeth. Now, I'm, I'm thinking, number one, in order for him to preach that message that day, being that it was a hostile crowd, he needed the help of the Holy Spirit. And then to see the response of all of that, and it tells us in Acts chapter 7, verse 55, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, said. Now we look at that and say, well, wasn't Stephen filled with the Spirit before then? Yeah. Acts 6, 3 says that he was a deacon, and one of the qualifications to be a deacon was he had to be filled with the Spirit. But Stephen had never faced martyrdom. It was a new experience for him. He was the first person in the Christian era to face martyrdom. It was a new stretch, a new demand on his life, and he needed a new availability of the Holy Spirit to intersect his life at that crisis moment. I don't know what the future holds. I do know that of all the people in the world, Americans have it really, really good as it relates to our faith. And none of us would choose to have to die a martyr but I want you to know that regardless, there will be 
a stretching that will take place in our life that the Holy Spirit is available to fill at whatever moment we are at in life. That he will intersect our life in that moment. And the Spirit was there upon Stephen to stretch him and to fill him. The third one is Paul as he was beginning his missionary journey. I mean, he's just out and at the the very crack of the beginning of the day of his missionary journey, he gets out there and he runs into an individual who begins to, through some very demonic things, try to, to stand in his way, a magician, a sorcerer by the name of Elimus, who stands there to withstand his testimony. And the scripture says in Acts 13, 9, but Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Spirit, said, and then he turned and looked at that person and said, you child of the devil, and then he goes on. And he proceeded in that moment to do the first miracle that would be associated with his ministry. Now we look at that and we say, well, wasn't Paul filled with the Holy Spirit? Yeah, we know that Ananias had laid hands on him in Acts chapter 9 to receive the Spirit, and he had spoken tongues, but this was a new stretch. The gospel was going into areas that had never gone before, and Paul was doing some things that had never been done before. And in that moment, in that stretching time, the Holy Spirit came into him and filled him again, that the more he was stretched, the more the filling of the Spirit filled him for just such that moment. Here's what I want us to understand. I have had a number of conversations in the past couple of weeks with different people who are saying, you know, Pastor, the more that we begin to outline where we're going and what we're doing and how the Spirit of God is leading us and the things, the harder it has been on me personally or my family. We've been going through things that have just been unbelievable struggles and all of this seems to be a distraction from what God is wanting us to do. Let me tell you something. Whenever a church or people or a family begin to walk in the vision and the power of the living God does not mean that it's going to be easy. In fact, Satan begins to recognize that if he sits back and does nothing, his kingdom's going to be destroyed. And so he begins to focus attention on what can I do, knowing that we as believers become distracted when we go through stretching times, crisis modes. And the word of the Lord to you today is don't be afraid of the stretching because along with it, the more you're stretched, the more there is an infilling of the power of the Holy Spirit that will fill you up to be just what you need in that time, which would scare Satan even worse because then you become more powerful as an enemy against the kingdom of God. Victories are never won without a battle. So we should not be afraid of the battle. In fact, we should embrace it thinking, Lord, if you're going to stretch me, then I know that you will breathe into me the very thing that I need for the new task ahead, and I will not be distracted by the enemy for what's going on, but I know that you have told me that the gates of hell will not prevail against the Spirit-empowered church. And so, Lord, when you stretch me, I know that you will fill me in that moment of time. There is a fresh infilling for you. So don't be surprised if the enemy attacks. Some of that attack will show up in your marriage, some in your job, some in your finances, some in your children, and some in other areas, some of you in your health. But rather than seeing it as being oppressed, lift up your hands and begin to praise the Lord because in that praise will come joy and in that joy becomes strength and in that strength becomes vision and in that vision becomes victory. And we will walk in that power. 
God, help us to be stretched as far as you can so that you can fill us to the level of our current capacity. Do you know that there's more of God that you've not yet experienced? If you will allow him, he will show you more of his nature and more of his power than you've ever experienced before. But in order to do it, he's going to have to stretch you so that you have the capacity to know more of him. And frankly, we kind of fight against that. I like comfort. I'll just admit it right up. I like comfort. And the idea that the Lord wants to take me from comfortable places into uncomfortable places goes against my very nature. And so it's constantly a laying down of my life, remembering that I died to myself so that he might be alive in me. And so, Lord, would you please remind me that I'm supposed to be dead and you're supposed to be alive in me so that you can be glorified. And lastly, and worship team, if you please come, there's one other intersection with the Holy Spirit that none of you have experienced yet, and that's the work at resurrection. The Holy Spirit will intersect our life in a moment of time that will absolutely be joyous when we are resurrected. I've, I've thought about this. I've, I've done a lot of funerals, and there have been times somebody, I just know this, somebody somewhere will be doing a funeral and be sitting at the graveside when the dead in Christ rise. It, it's going to happen. It's got to happen somewhere. I think about this every time I'm standing at a graveside. If this happens now, that casket's going to pop open, and a blink of an eye before I get to go, they're going to go. It will scare me to death. And then we'll be together. I say this often. You know, we get to that, and, and this is a joy for us as believers. When I'm at a graveside at a committal service, I'm always talking about we are planting something. You, you, you bury things you don't ever expect to see again. You plant things that you expect to see in a new dimension. We as believers have the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit that is alive in us. Our bodies may look dead, but I want you to know there's something that's beating in our spirit that in a moment the Lord's voice is going to call, and we're shooting out of here. Resurrection power. We've not experienced it yet, but it's coming. What I love is this. It says in... John 5, 21, it says, For just as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, or makes life is the actual term, even so the Son gives life, or makes life for those whom He's pleased to give it. And then the Spirit of God, it says in John 6, 63, it is the Spirit who makes life. He's a life maker. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, who raised Him? The Spirit raised Him. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life or make life in your mortal bodies through his spirit. The spirit is the life maker. So on resurrection day, when your body intersects the power of the Holy Spirit, there is going to be a reconstituting. It doesn't matter how many thousands of years believers may have been dead. There's a, if, if we can have memory that never goes away on a computer, can you imagine the microchip God's got our, our, our DNA and everything put together on? Somehow, the spirit maker, the life maker, the spirit of God, in one moment is going to gather the whole atomic structure that was us, the molecular structure the, and, and, and the flesh, and he's going to reconstitute it. And the spirit of God is going to raise us from the dead. And we will be given a brand new body. People bursting from their graves 
And if in that blink of an eye you had an opportunity to look at them and say, are you satisfied with this experience? Every one of them say, absolutely yes. But that's just on the way up because something greater is about to take place when you get there. <laughs>